Good morning, New Passion. Good morning. Sounds like everybody's awake today. Amen. Amen. I know sometimes that dreary weather will have you wanting to stay in the bed, but we thank God for you pressing on this morning, getting here to the house of the Lord. And also, uh, there's a couple games that was on yesterday. Uh, I won't mention one of them, but and there was another one called the Bulldogs. Amen. Come on, cheer for your team. Show them some love. There you go. There you go. Sometimes that will weigh you out in itself. That Tigers game wore me out, especially when it went into overtime. I was ready to take my old people nap, and so I missed that, but I sat, made the sacrifice and stayed up through overtime, and the Tigers pulled it off. In case you don't know, by now, my name is David Bunch, and this is my story. Be patient with me as we uh, track through some of this stuff that I have here. This account that I'm about to read to you today uh, came, as they would say, straight from the horse's mouth. In my life, through growing up, I heard a whole lot of things about where I came from. And I'm going to share a little bit of that with you today. On January 29, 1967, at Charity Hospital in Lafayette, Louisiana, a child was born. His name was David Paul Wesley. Now, between the age of six months and a year old, my biological mother hid myself and my brother under the stairs of a building. And if you can imagine two babies out in the elements for days at a time, this was my story. She hid us under the stairs for a while while she could go out and try to scavenge and scrounge up food for my brother and myself. My mother was on the run from the man that fathered my brother and myself. My father was a mean man as I understand it, but this nevertheless was my story. This went on for a few days. She was given to a man, I understand this because I had trouble as a young man trying to get a grasp, trying to understand why would a mother give her children away to people that she don't even know? I had trouble with it. It, it, it bothered me. It bothered me so bad. But, 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 but to hear the stories and then to get a personal account from her herself. I had to know why was it that we were living like vagabonds? Why, what, what, what was so wrong with us that you would give us away? But nevertheless... This was my story. My mother was given away at a very young age herself. So you see how history repeats itself? She was given to a man at a very young age. I believe it was right before she made the teenage years. Her mother died early when she was real young. So her dad didn't have the patience or didn't want to keep up with her. He gave her literally to another man. This man that she was given to, later on I learned, was my father. My mother became so afraid of his violent outbreaks 
And when I'm talking about violent, I'm talking about being beaten to a bloody pulp type violence. My mother got so afraid that my father would find us as he was a very bad man, as I said. My mother went on to say that it, it had now come to a point where she could no longer feed us. So she was desperate to try to find someone that could provide shelter and food for her children. This was my story. Later on, she said she met a man uh, named Mr. Edward. I won't call his last name, and I'll tell you why in just a second. That was from Generette, Louisiana. He was heading to New Orleans. Once there, Mr. Edwards tried to force her to sleep with other men for money while my brother and I were in the next room. Upon refusing to sleep with the men, Mr. Edward threatened to leave my mother and my brother and I in New Orleans. And that's exactly what he did. Left a young mother and her two children out to the elements. In fact, they were in a hotel, as I understand it. And he left. And we were outdoors once again. Once again, we found ourselves homeless and back under the stairs. So my mother set out to find work at some local clubs downtown. And, 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 and there's, I'm not ashamed to say it, there's some down on Broad Street. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't know. It's right down at the end of Broad Street. So she found work the best way she could to feed her children and to hopefully find shelter. Because when she left, she would leave us under the stairs. Hopefully nothing happened until she got back. She scrounged up enough money to get a room. We had a few things to eat. Now, if anybody can tell you about dumpster diving, anybody ever here ever heard of dumpster diving? I'm that fella. I'm that fella. And not just because I was small enough to fit through the slide door, but, but, but brother had to eat. That's what I knew. We had to eat. I know what dumpster diving is about. That's why when I pass people today, God has, has, has so blessed me. With, you know, we, we pass by people up and down Wheeler Road all over the place in the city of Augusta. Please don't ever look down your nose at these folk. Yes, there's some preachers out there under the bridge. There's some missionaries out there under the tent that we pass by and talk about all the time. Talking about what they could be doing, but you don't know their story. We have no clue of their history and where they come from, why they ended up where they were. I used to make fun of a man. He had wild hair and big tall fella. He pushed his cart everywhere he go. His whole life was in his cart. Everywhere you see him, he's pushing his cart and talking to himself. So one day, I made it known to a guy about what was so funny to me. He said, you don't know who that is, do you? I said, no, all I know is it's some homeless dude. He said, he used to be a professor at the local university. But after 
his wife passed away, he snapped. So the next time you see somebody under the bridge or pushing a cart, pray for them and ask God to have mercy because you don't know their story. The place where my mother would hide us from time to time, day after day, would happen to be at an apartment complex where uh, she then met two ladies. And watch how God works this thing out. That decided to take myself and my brother in. Just to get us out of the elements. I never saw my mother again. The ladies agreed to take care of. Here's two ladies that she just met. Because they were in the same apartment building where she was hiding us. But I, I, I was angry. I spent most of my life bitter because I just couldn't seem to get a grip on what was really happening to my life. So the next thing comes to pacify some of this pain and this hole that I felt in my heart because I just couldn't understand. I didn't care what the situation was. And this was in my ignorance because I, I just couldn't understand why mama wouldn't take me with her? That's how a child feels. That's, that was my thought pattern. Why, why in the world would she leave me with somebody I don't even know? So here it comes. I'm now looking at folk that don't look like me. I'm looking at people that I don't even recognize. But, but, but I'm supposed to bond with these people. I was always around people, but still felt alone. Do you know how miserable that is? You're around a crowd of folk. Everybody's supposedly cheering you on, but you still feel like you're by yourself. So here comes to pacify this hurt, this pain, and I'm growing I'm growing rapidly right now. I know you look and say, you don't look like you're growing to me, but I'm growing the opposite direction. But, 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 but I was growing. And I had questions about things that people could not answer for me. Even the ladies that took my brother and myself in, and later on, by the way, we were separated. No one could answer the question because once mama left, mama was gone. Nobody had any answers. So yes, I was ticked off. I was peed off. I was hot. Everybody I saw became my enemy. That's the way the devil plays tricks on your mind. So what I would do to pacify that is I would go get me some alcohol. Later on, alcohol turned to weed. Later, later on, weed turned to more serious drugs. That got me in my zone. That was my, 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 what I thought was my peaceful place. I didn't have to worry about these strangers that, that now wanted me to call them family. I, 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 I just still couldn't get a grip on things, even though I would drink some of my troubles away, even though I would smoke some of my troubles away. So I thought at least they still kept coming right back full circle because I had questions that nobody was able to answer. Along with the drugs, 
along with the alcohol became, next came, here comes gang life. We, we want to get in a circle of people that we feel are hurting just like we're hurting. Another trick of the enemy. I found myself becoming a magnet for trouble. Because I was hot-headed, hot-tempered, could nobody tell me nothing. Because if you couldn't answer the questions that I had growing up as a child, you then became an enemy to me. I was mad with everybody. Everybody. Y'all see how y'all looking at me. I was mad at everybody. And I took it out on everybody. Whether it was through my language, my speech, I was constantly, because I was hurting, I looked for ways to hurt other people. If you don't believe me, keep living. Because hurt people hurt people. For 32 years, I had never seen my mother. The only mother I knew for 32 years, she uh, <laughs> she was a mother. In fact, when uh, I really began to find out what she was all about, now this family that I was given to, this lady that I'm speaking about, the only mother that I knew for 32 years, they already had a family, grandchildren, some great, so you can imagine the age they were at the time when they took in a six-month-old baby. But the only thing with that is, we don't stay cute and cuddly too long. We grow up, we have our own minds, so we think we have our own opinions. Can't nobody tell us anything. We know everything. What do you know? You old. This thing I'm dealing with is brand new. But I got news for you, young people. The faces change, but the game remains the same. Satan still is out to steal, kill, and destroy. So don't be fooled by some new method, especially some new gospel like Paul says. If anyone comes to you about a new gospel, he said, those people are the ones you turn away from. This is my story. This lady, can I just talk about it? This lady got on my nerves. I told you I was young and dumb, but she got on my nerves because every weekend she wanted everybody to get up, we clean up, and we go on to church. And I got tired of hearing that line, if you stay in this house, you're going to go to church. I still hear it today, 55-year-old man. You stay in this house, you're going to go to church. She didn't play. Old country girl from Mississippi. She ain't take no stuff. We went to church all the time. And dog it, when I say all the time, I mean all the time. We had youth meeting, BTU meeting. And, and, and like I heard Steve Harvey once say, we had old people meeting. And Sunday come, everybody meeting. We went to church all the time. Got on my nerves every week hearing the same thing. Time to get up. If you stay in this house, we're going to go to church. But you know, throughout all the trouble, 
that aggravating lady, lady that I thought was so aggravating, she never gave up on me. She always held on to a promise that she prayed for a child that she become to love. That God would do something special in my life. Whether she was able to still be here to see it, but she believed it. I want some real talk. Watch this. I went to church. <laughs> Sometimes I would show up at church loaded, eyes bloodshot red, drunk. But I showed up at church. And then time passed. And I, could, I began to show up at church on my own. Mama didn't have to fuss because she had begun to get like a net at a barbecue. If you stay in this house, you're going to church. So I began to now get in the mold to get up and I go by myself. And I could see her face light up when her son came through the door. Time passed, and I began to get involved with some church activities and programs. Mama was happy. I felt a little better, but my circumstances wasn't changing. Went to church. I even began to join the male chorus. I sang in the choir. When we would go visit different churches, I'd get an opportunity to sing to other believers, church folk. Mama was proud. But still, the underline of the little fat guy singing on stage and leading worship service, they were still underneath the church smile. Y'all know how we have that church smile. And no doggone well inside, we're broken, we're hurting, we're desperate for some help. But under, under that underline that, and under that smile and all of that stuff, I still had anger issues. I could talk to you in service and cuss you out in the parking lot and not feel nothing about it. I was going to church, but my circumstances wasn't changing. Spirit of confusion was on my mind. I didn't know where in the world I was headed. And even though I went to church, even though I sang, even though I got a chance to leave service, I found myself right back in trouble again. So people, I done about had enough of this church stuff. I said, that's it. Had enough of this church stuff, and please hear me well. Hit my heart. I'd had enough. I didn't want to hear anything about no preacher. I don't care where they come from, how many tongues they speak in. I didn't want to hear it because I was going to church. I was singing. I was joining programs, but my circumstances never seemed to change, so I didn't want no preacher running up in my face. 
I decided myself in my ignorance that I wasn't going to sing another song. I had enough of this. This, 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 this Jesus this and this Jesus that. I'd had enough. I was angry. I was hot. I was ticked off. I, I, I couldn't take it no more. Don't knock on my door another time. I'm going to peep through the blinds and act like I ain't home. Don't, don't, don't call me. Talking about how good the Lord has been. Why am I in such a situation? Why would God allow me to go through this thing? I was going to church. I was done. I'd about had all I can take. I would sometimes get phone calls from some of the elders at the church. They say, oh, brother, we, we haven't seen you at church in a while. We just called to check on you because we, we were wondering, was everything okay? I said, man, can y'all understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I'm done. And at the same time, have a blessed day. I had had enough. That one night, and this is God honest truth, I was passing by a mirror. I had been, like I said, angry for a long time. I was passing by a mirror one night, and I just took a glance. And I guess God wanted me to see what I had become. I didn't like what I saw. I, I, I didn't even recognize who I was anymore. Oh, I was going through life. I was working. I was doing the normal stuff. I was going to church, checking the box. I was doing all of that stuff. Again, in my ignorance, I said, you know what? Mama always said, you can go to God with anything and talk to him. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what's on your mind. But in my ignorance, <laughs> I decided I was going to check this dude they call Jesus. I'm going to tell him all about himself. Because I had had enough. I said to God, I said, you said that if... I take one step, you're going to take two. This is what I, this is what I told God. I, I said, that's what you said. God said, no, I didn't. God said, what I did say is, according to Matthew 11, 28 and 29 is, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, Jesus says, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. And, 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 and that thing did something to me. Because I asked a question. I made a statement, and he answered. What am I saying? I'm glad y'all asked. Watch this. You can't be saved off of fancy saying and cliches. There's no way in Scripture where you will find if God takes one step, he'll, he'll take two. Nowhere. Find it and bring it to me. It's what's called eisegesis in the text 
Well, people will pour into a text what they want it to mean and try to make stuff fit. But when you exegete a text and break that thing down, it'll tell you exactly what he's talking about. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. God said what he said, and he meant in his word is still good over 2,000 years later. And I was standing there looking foolish. I said, well, what about that scripture? And this is one of the first scriptures that we ever learned. I know I did. John 3.16. They used to have an old fat guy live down the street. He was kind of like the neighborhood dad. Nobody fooled with him either. But we thought of him to be a religious nut. But this is one of, the, one of the first scriptures he told me about. He knew my lifestyle I was living. He said, son, let me tell you something. Ain't nothing but trouble in those streets. He said, you don't have to try to eat all of this at one time. He said, learn your one scripture at a time. And then you'll find yourself reading a little bit more. And a little bit more. But this is the first thing that he taught me. So I, I asked God, I said, I, said, I said, Lord, what about the John 3.16 scripture? I remembered it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What about that one? For God so sent the son of man into the world to not judge the world, but that the world would be saved through him. I said, I said, what about that one? God said, yep. I said that. He said, guess what? That's for you too. And I stood there with a dumbfounded look at the spirit was speaking. Like, how could you love me? drugged out. I'm drunk half the time. And half the time I don't know whether it's sun, sunny or, or cloudy outside. I've done so much wrong. How could you possibly love me? You know my track record. How? But he says, yes, that was for you too. God at that night, that very night, and I've told my wife because I laid in the bed and after the Holy Spirit speaking, I cried and wept like a baby. God began to reveal to me that my son, for you see, you got the scent of the church. You're down with the program of the church. You know when to stand. You know when the pastor says a certain thing. You know when to get up and clap your hands. You know what to do, how to move when the offering plate or offering basket is going around. He says, you have the scent of the church. You've got all the legalisms down of the church. He says, you, you, you got all that stuff down, Pat. He says, but, 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 but there's something else you need to know. God says, I'm not concerned with how well you can run a program. I'm not concerned with how well you lead service. I'm not concerned with, 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 with how well you think you can sing. Because you have the, the scent of church on you. You're walking around like the world owes you something. God revealed to me 
that are more concerned about your soul than you going to church checking the box and making mama smile and your lifestyle ain't changed. He says, I'm more concerned. And I went to the scripture in 2 Timothy. 2 Tim- Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Of having the form of godliness, but denying the power from such people. It says, turn away. A lot of us. I know y'all don't know anybody like that. We have the appearance of being holy. And our hearts are dark inside. Because we don't know what to do with it. And I think Pastor Nick said it last week. This building ain't going to save you. You have to have an encounter for yourself with Jesus. You can't hitchhike to heaven off mama blessings. You can't hitchhike to heaven off grandmama's a, a worship, a relationship with God. God not concerned with how well you sing and what all you do in church to be seen. He says that's an appearance of being holy. God says, son, I want a relationship with you. I don't just want to hang out with you. It didn't matter that I was broken. It didn't matter my background about where I came from, who I ran with, who I was running with. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't even concern God at the time of that my shoes was under somebody's bed that wasn't mine. It didn't concern him what he wanted was in here. Because when God has your heart, the rest of you will follow. You don't have to worry about tithing because when God has your heart, you will bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse and see, as he says, won't there be meat in my house? You will see this. When, when, when he has your heart, nobody has to tell you to testify. Nobody has to poke and pride you to sing. Nobody has to poke and pride you to serve in a ministry where you say you're growing and being blessed. When God has your heart, everything else will follow. My thinking became different. My talk became different. I got a little nervous. I got a little nervous because one day God called me to preach his word. I thought he was trying to set me up. How could you call me to preach and teach your word? And I couldn't stand to look at a preacher. Couldn't stand them. At my point of hurt, I wanted to hurt them. Every preacher was a liar to me. I didn't feel like I could trust any of them. And now look where I'm standing. Oh, she laughing with me and not at me. (laughs) 
<laughs> but that's the way God works. He can take a mess like me and do what he wants to do. He can do the same thing in your life. Same thing in your children's life. Same thing in your co-worker's life. But we can't give up on each other. I'm going to leave you with this. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. <laughs> because I thought I was doing something. Going to church singing. Serving. Checking the box. But my lifestyle hadn't changed. But until I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. For by grace. You have been saved through faith. And not that of yourselves. David. It is the gift of God, not of works, so we can give up checking the box. Lest any man, the word of God says, should boast. I am David Bunch, New Passion, and those who may be watching online, and this is my story. God bless you.